Zane the Penmeister here for the first episode of Behind the Screen. And today joining me are two of my lovely players from the Blight of Varen, Cameron and Invader. Would you like to say hi, guys? Ball sack. <laughs> that, that's just going to be a running gag with you, isn't it, Invader? I'll, I'll think of more... Oh, no, I'll, I'll think of other things to say. Who knows? Maybe I'll rig roll, roll in one of these that in one of these sessions. Right. He's never gonna give it up. He's never, never gonna, gonna let it down. down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Never gonna turn around and desert you. And he rolls a one. So he does exactly <laughs> that. Well, we're behind the screen. We are getting hot takes and people's opinions on these questions that I have here. Not a lot for this episode. So if you have any questions you think that should be asked in one of these, go ahead and put it down in the comments below. Alright. Let's get started. Well, this first question it's going to be a question for both of y'all. What is your opinion when it comes to stats? Do you prefer rolling for them, or do you prefer point by? Or do you prefer a third method that is not mentioned? Um, I'd, I'd have to say rolling for them. It's honestly the easiest way to go about it. Especially the way uh, you had us roll for stats. It ultimately, it was like... I think is going to be like my preferred way to roll for stats in D and D. The forty six is your main stats, and the two d six free ones. But you have to take both yeah. if you want them. Yeah. I actually did not come up with that. A friend of mine did. My very first campaign, and he showed me that. I thought that's how stats were done for a very long time until I learned a point by. What about you, Cameron? So, uh, so for me, uh, I, I, I am perfectly okay with both. Actually, um, my thing is, I would. So, what I tend to do is, if players are new to D and D, I actually go with point five first. Um. So there's tools online that you can find uh, to do this with that do the point by for you. Um, and then I'll let them put the stats where they would like it, simply because if they have an idea of what kind of character they want to play, then I can't see why they can't do the point by for that. Mm -hmm. If the players don't have a strong idea of what they want to do, like I had no real idea when I wanted to do this campaign, then point by is also uh, is not as effective. So the die rolls there um, really work because then you get a rough idea of what you, once you've got the rolls, you can kind of go, okay, maybe I'll do this stat and then 
see what happens there. So for you, it just depends on who the player is and if they have a certain idea, what do they want to do with the character? Yeah, it's a player-by-player -player basis, uh, what they want to do. Um, if they're new, I tend to let them point by. If they're more experienced or they just are like, can I do this one instead? Yeah, that's fine for me. My preference is, for me personally, I like point by, mm -hmm. but um, with this with your with the version that you showed me, I actually like that as well. So it might be one I keep for the future. Well, let's get on to our second question then. Those are very I really like those answers. I really did. Now, this one has a bit of a bit of heat on which one is better? Do you prefer modules or homebrew for your campaigns? I've never done a, a module once in my entire, like, <laughs> I think four years of playing, so I'm pretty sure I'm a homebrew boy. I... Uh, so I have done modules. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done Storm King's Thunder and Tomb of Annihilation. And my personal opinion is modules are okay, but I, my problem with how the modules will run was that there was too much railroading and rigidness to it. Whereas with homebrew, I feel like the DM has a lot more capability to allow the story to be expand further, as it were. Okay. I got a follow-up question for you then. How... Do you think it'd be wise to take just pieces out of a module and then insert it into a homebrew campaign? Absolutely. Especially if it's something quite similar to yours, and what you can do is you can take um, that and then work on it your way. I... Um, one of my first ever campaigns that I did was homebrew, and I had no clue what I was doing at the time because it was still a fresh DM. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at module adventures and then worked those into my world. All right, Vader, I have a question for you. Yeah. How do you decide how you want to build your characters? Like, how do you decide how you want their backstory to be? How do you decide what race and class you want to be? Um, for race and class, I typically just, like, do, like, a spin the globe, put my finger on, like, a country, and be like, that's where my vacation will be. <laughs> I just flip randomly through pages being like, okay, I will be a tiefling rogue. Um, 
that that's half a joke. Uh, how I tip I, I typically go for. Am I in the mood for playing a race I haven't played, or a race I have played? Because my first ever race was a half orc. So like. I tend to think, do I want to be a barbarian again, or do I want to try to mix things up and play something different? Um, how I decide their stats is I write the backstory first in my head. And then I make their stats to make sense with their backstory. Like, like this character was raised by a scientist, but they more prefer nature and stuff. So they would have a slight high intelligence, but I feel like they would more focus on strength. Yeah, I could see you. Oh, having your backstory first would help out with determining stat placement. Yeah, I I look at a character and go, I go, would this character have high, would this character be smart? Or would they be be as dumb as shit in the sun? Now, for me, it's actually the complete opposite. I like to decide where I want to put the stats first, and then I'll wrap my backstory around where I put the stats. So let's say they're they don't have a really high strength, but they have a really high dex. They were born with a more frail body that was more flexible and dexterous. That's how I would write it in. But I do see, see how writing the backstory first could help, too. You see, that that's a smart way to write. But the reason I do it that way is solely because I think of the character and their personality first. And so, like, writing them is naturally my always my first step. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've always dreamed of being a writer, so, like, whenever I have to make a new D&D character, I'm always like, ooh, okay, uh, let's think of the dark stuff that happened in their life. Ooh, okay, um... Um, this character has a heart condition. Yeah, yeah, and they were they were treated like an object by their mother. Yeah, yeah, and then they ran away. Yeah, yes! And then when I got something that's just like, that's it, yes, yes, right there. That's when I start working on the sheet when I'm told I get to use them. Like, I, like here's a fun fact about this. A little, little side thing. I've been work... I was working on Patch... Since three years, I believe. Because I made him at the midway point of the second camp, third third campaign I was ever in. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was the midway point because it was on the first Halloween (laughs) Halloween session we did. So I made him, and I worked on him for well over a while. And we had a fourth campaign when that third campaign went to bust, but I was like, he wouldn't fit this world. So I'll just take a pre-existing character I already have and make him work there. And that character I can never use for any other sessions, any other campaigns except that one. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. That was a long-winded one. Apologies. It's perfectly fine. Now, Cameron, you mentioned you DM'd, you DM'd before. What made you decide to take that jump into DMing? 
instead of being just a just a player. I am a flagrant narcissist. No, no. Um, <laughs> uh, I am a big storyteller. I love telling stories. And um, for me, um, watching other DMs, because I was quite late getting into the whole, uh, into TTRPGs. Um but telling stories with friends um, and then getting into theater school, I wanted some form of release. And then um, I started getting into D&D and that's, um, I, D&D wasn't actually my first uh, game. It was actually, gosh, what was my first TTRPG? I think it was actually Blades in the Dark which is a really good game uh, in its own right. And then from there, I wanted to try my hand behind the screen and found that it was perfect for me because I make Tolkien look uh, like C.S. Lewis when it comes to world building. Um, <laughs> So uh, I um, I enjoy doing that, and then whilst I know there's stories behind everything, my players they can ask about it, sure, but then they get to do the something that I know I struggle with immensely, which is they just get to enjoy playing and not have to worry about the law. Like I'm sat here thinking about all the law that you've got planned, thinking, oh, I wonder what the story behind this what's the story behind that but i'm not going to go pestering and asking about it because i'm not a dwarf um uh in the in this campaign uh so it's for me being able to tell the story and have the madness of my law come to life is always something really amazing that is wonderful I love to hear that. I was kind of the same way when it came to starting campaigns. This is only my third campaign. I did my first campaign last year, and it only lasted a couple sessions, but I was just, I love to tell stories, yeah. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take that leap. And so I have a follow-up question for you. How did you prep for your first D and D session as a DM? <laughs> way too much. You prepped way too um, much? Yeah. I, um, for my first ever campaign, I used the world that I had already been making with friends in a forum role play. Mm-hmm. And I put way too much effort in. I was planning 10, 15 sessions ahead. Um, because I was thinking to myself, okay, I've got to be ready for this, got to be ready for that. And I 
thoroughly hated it. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I, I had an idea where the game was going to go. I knew what was going to happen. And then uh, it never even got that far. Uh, player schedule conflicts um, mm -hmm. just absolutely annihilated the game. And I think we only got maybe we got we did maybe five sessions and of the amount that I had planned I was thinking we were, uh, what I thought was going to be ten sessions would have probably worked out to about 20 actually with the pace that the players were going at speaking of uh planning in the pace y'all were going at what i had planned for our session one we didn't even get halfway through but now that i know y'all's pace and how you go through it it's helping me plan better for the next session after that and it's crazy. Alright. I got another question for both of y'all. And, uh, Invader, you've actually partially answered this one already. How do you go about picking the backstory for your characters? I let the ADD take hold and work from there. <laughs> 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 Let my ADD and autism just go wild. I was like, "Take the wheel, baby. You, you go, you go for it." <laughs> um, but on the serious answer, um, I tend to think of their design first. I think here's how it works in my brain. I think of a blob of clay and I shape them. This is going to sound like such a pretentious art student way to word it, but I, it, it is how I, my method. I take the clay and I mold it into a, into a character, and I think, oh, I like this. Now, little details here, a little there. Now, that is a pretty character. Now, why would they look like this? Why would they have this thing on their body? I keep using the character who had a fucking pacemaker, but why do they have a scar on their chest? Why are they always topless and only wear pants? Why is their hair a fucking hair of holding? I like that little call. I like that little callback. <laughs> it's both a callback and an actual thing my TM let me do with that character, fun fact. <laughs> I, I had a running gag where I would just put stuff in her hair. My DM just let it let it slide. I put everything in her hair, and that was where she kept her stuff. That, that's pretty funny. Um, and like I think, okay, okay, well, um, okay, she she lives in a cyberpunk world, so why doesn't she have any cybernetics? Okay. Um, Her hair is the cybernetic. Well, <laughs> that was good. Um, okay. Uh, she grew up in a rich place. 
because her her uh, mom and dad made inventions to help after the apocalypse. And she wanted to help her dad invent. But after she got marked with that heart condition, her dad never really wanted her help. And her mom just used her condition to sell products. So she ran away to find her own path. Okay, okay, and that's where the story comes in. I always t- try to give my characters something. Yeah. No matter how small or big, I always try to give them something for me to grab onto and work backwards from there. And that's the best way I could say it. I work backwards. What about you, Cameron? Um, I, so when it comes to creating a character story, uh, first of all, I need the, for me, I, when it comes as with it, with D&D, um, I will choose the race and class first, and then using that, I will then go, okay, what? Why uh, my character is, so for an example, a previous character of mine was a um, was a furball cleric um, before Talos and Jaffe made it cool. Uh, (laughs) And um, plays the, uh, my character had I was like, okay, so my character's a verbal cleric and is a native to this place. Why is she doing what she's doing? And so she would and so develop the character from there. So each I weave the reason for the class into the backstory and then much like Patch, uh, much like Invader here, I just let the ADHD and the autism take hold and then I I warned you when I started that I write when I made uh, Liar that I tend to write about a page worth of a backstory. Yeah. Uh, if left to my own devices, there will be more. Um, there is so much more I would put into uh, characters, but I mean, if you I'm want to be put, able to let I'll be honest. If you want to put more into Liar, go for it. I just needed that page as a starter as a starting point. So I could work you in. Yeah, I... Can, I, can I just say I relate to that fucking sentiment so hard? I tend to, like, have to limit myself so I don't write a whole book's worth of backstory for a level one character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, and also because being a... Uh, because I am a willing perpetual DM most of the time, I... When... When it comes to creating characters like named NPCs, I I always create backstories as to why this person where why this person is in the position of power. Mm-hmm. I have villains as to why they're doing what they're doing. It's not just that there's the villain. It's oh, here's a story about this villain. 
and the, about this uh, creature that you're going to be fighting uh, for the players to, to discover because then when the creature pops up they can go wait didn't the story say something about this and then um, it, that will feed into it it's and that way when the players get a uh, a story they feel when they finally meet the villain they will actually enjoy the villain a lot more all right that i actually don't know how to respond to that that was amazing now Let's get into something a little more superstitious. What quote-unquote superstitions do y'all believe in when it comes to D&D? Like, do you believe in your good dice, bad dice? Do you believe in having a certain set for a character? Stuff like that. Don't touch Will Wheaton. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> the Will Wheaton dice curse is real. Um, <laughs> I have seen it work. <laughs> that is that's pretty funny. Um, superstitions. Um, always be worried when the DM rolls dice. Even if they're just playing Yahtzee uh, back there while you roleplay. <laughs> yes. One of my tactics to use as a DM is in tactics and whatnot, to just roll a random D20 behind the screen and immediate players are like, why is the DM rolling? It also shows you who's paying attention. Yes. It's my favorite thing to do. I'll roll a d20 while they're in the middle of roleplay. I've had it to where only one person turned their head, and I'm like, roll perception for me. I didn't have anything planned, but I just wanted to scare them. Um, my DM did that to me in the middle. <laughs> I laugh at this. In the middle, because like, in the middle of me and my friend's character, like, you know, having, like, this, like, sweet talk because, like, we want to have these characters get together. Mm -hmm. and we're in the middle of a sweet talk, and she rolled the dice, and it's like, and I really care about... Why did you roll? See, <laughs> I really care about you. You're one of my best... Why the fuck did I hear a dice? Oh, just checking for something. Don't don't worry. I'm gonna fucking worry. <laughs> I I will stress it is something that needs to be done correctly. Um, it can't be overdone. But when when the time you as a DM you'll know when the perfect time is. Um, and sometimes you won't, but... If it's in person, like once every three to four sessions, just to throw them off works perfectly. Um, At least that's from my own experience. From the previous two campaigns I've been, I DM'd. Um, 
Another superstition I think I believe in definitely is always keep an eye on the rogue. You hear that, Patch? I regret nothing. <laughs> you see, the superstition I believe in is always keep it, your eyes on the player who has that grin. That shit-eating grin whenever they walk in. So you're trying to keep an uh-huh. eye on yourself this time, Patch? I was literally going to say that. I'm the player that has the shit-eating grin every time I walk in. Yeah. If if you can't see a player with a shit-eating grin, it's you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure anyone who plays a rogue is always the one with a shit-eating grin. Playing a rogue screams to me that you didn't have much control in your life, life, and you want to take that control, playing as that kind of character. Mm-hmm. All right. Which is why I mean them. All right. How about this? Um, how do you all feel about playing a spell in our campaign? The Blight of Varen. Everyone you can at least cast spells. How do y'all feel about being in a spellcaster heavy six man party? So long as everyone keeps a spell. You cut out there, my guy. In check during combat, I think we'll be fine. Um, I speak speaking as a DM uh, from experience. One of my biggest like concerns is when a player doesn't because um, it counts the combat down tremendously is when a player doesn't really know what their spell does. So especially in combat, which take in D D it takes a long time. Yeah. If a player's like, I don't know what the spell does you just kind of sat and you then sit there and explain what happens, it can slow it down immensely. Um, I can understand if it's a new player. Uh, or um, even a player new to spellcasters. Yeah. Even a player new to spellcasters. I would, yeah. Um, but always, I would say to that, always have like two or three spells that my recommendation is if you're new to spellcasting and in combat at least always have always know like what two and three spells do regardless so that if you're like I I don't know what to do I don't know what you can always just fall back to one of them yeah What about you, Patch? No, How I do you think feel it's about very interesting. Oh, sorry. Go right ahead. Uh, I'm. I was just gonna say I feel very. Uh, I'm very interested to see how this spell casting heavy party goes. I'm kind of curious too, to be honest. Patch, how do you feel about the party being heavy on spellcasters? Makes me feel more confident, to be honest. <laughs> So, and I, I've never really don't, used magic much in 
campaigns, I mainly rely on bonus actions and weapons. Yeah. Um. But like, much like every character, I I always try something new. So I I am genuinely trying something new with Patch and utilizing more spells, which these past like like episode two, which rest in peace the files for that one. Yeah, rest in didn't peace. go as go as planned, but hey, I'm still looking forward to like doing something more with uh, the magic system in this game that I never really get to use. That, that's where I stand. And did the party having a heavy spellcaster count sway you on choosing Arcane Trickster for your rogue? No, I thought it would make more sense for his story. Yeah, you're right. It I, does, yeah. I, I didn't hit me how heavy the spell cast, how heavy on spellcasters we were until after I set him up as an arcane trickster. Everyone's at least a partial caster. <laughs> mm. We got the wizard artificer. We got this. We got the wizard artificer. We got the druid. We got the warlock. We got the bard. We got you, the arcane trickster rogue, and we got the paladin. Alright. Oh, here's a question. Do you have any questions for me related to any of these topics, or even not? None so far. Not yet. Okay, I've got one. Do you believe in only owning one set of dice, period? One set of dice per character? Or having a fuck ton of dice? Uh, yeah. <laughs> More click clacks for the click clack collection. Dice goblin, got it. Dice goblin, these nuts. Can I roll some? That's why I usually call them dice gremlins, so no one can make that joke. That joke's never gotten old. (laughs) That's the same vibes as that one Futurama scene. Like, sorry, Fry, scientists voted to change the name of that planet eons ago so people would stop making that stupid joke. Oh, what's it called now? Your Ectum. All right. Um, I don't own dice because I have nowhere to put them. Got it. Got it. Right. I do imagine if I had place to put them, I would basically be in debt for buying dice because I like the click clack sound, and I like putting shiny, pointy objects in my mouth. Pause. <laughs> Kinky. Very. All right. Now, Cameron, as a DM, do you prefer to do milestone for your characters, or do you prefer to do XP for your characters for their level ups? 
milestone milestone for me is just so much easier um because that was probably my biggest complaint with how my dm ran um tomb of annihilation so i didn't run it i was a player in it um mm -hmm. when we got we were too low level for the actual tomb itself um so we had to basically run around the jungle farming xp uh until we could be high level enough to to get into the city and into the tomb as far as the module was concerned yeah and i hated that um and so did the dm because it was getting repetitive so uh, he ended up giving us a ton of XP to get us to the level. Um, I think milestones is just a load bet a lot better because I treat milestones as sort of like chapter ends. So that way, when it comes to players, I can go, okay, uh, this chapter has ended. You get a level up as a reward, and then um that way we can have a bit of a calm session to like a, a Daniel Mont session for that specific part of the adventure and then we can have and then the next couple of session uh, sessions are setting up for the next part of the adventure yeah i completely understand you on that xp can be a little too gritty and slow. I don't think I've ever met a single player in my entire life, either from my own table or just people I've met randomly who like XP based. I've only ever met people who prefer Milestone. XP is not bad if it's done right. And it's only for certain types of campaigns XP is really good for. Let's say you have a multi-year long campaign. XP would be better because it levels you up slower and lets you enjoy the game longer. You feel what I mean there? If a campaign is yeah. only going to be like 10, 20 sessions, Milestone's perfect for leveling up. But if it's going to be spanning on for years and years and years and you're starting level 1, XP, if done right, really does work pretty well. But you have to have the experienced DM to understand when sometimes you have to fudge the numbers on the XP and you have to have the players who understand, okay, we can't just charge in on everything. We have to actually think and work what we can and can't do. It's good in some scenarios, but I do believe Milestone is better. Plus, you can use milestone to scare fucking players. Say you're you're just got you just got through a dungeon. You're at the final door, and you're like, "And I'm gonna have all of you level up right now." I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Why are there all these health potions? Why what? did the music stop? 
Oh, wait, there it is. Why is the music changing? That's a lot Why of things. Why is this room? Why is this room so big and cavernous? Why is it a circle? Why is there a bunch of chests along the walls? What's with all these good items that'll increase increase my spells and magicka? Why is there a level 20 NPC with us? We're only level 4. Why has this NPC been scarily well written as well? Compared to a bunch of other NPCs that we encountered along the way at this point? <laughs> and why is he telling us about his like dying daughter and like how it's been an honor to fight with us what the fuck oh no (laughs) (laughs) why is there a guy just standing ominously in the middle of the room and why does he start chuckling why did the doors close behind us What's with the violins? Why does it sound like Hans Zimmer is currently conducting an orchestra in here? Why does it sound like the ki- Why does it sound like the slaughter of the younglings? Or battle of the fates? Battle of the fates is the song. I was, yeah. was going to say duel of fates would be more appropriate. Why do I hear the reins of Castamere? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the, uh, gotta love that one. That, that That's a good one. <laughs> Alright. Now, one final question for y'all. This one is a little more laid back. D&D, Snacks, and Fuel. What are your choices? What gives you the fuel to keep going in that long 12-hour session that you just need to power through? Arizona green tea. Um, a carbonated beverage that is associated with the color red. Um, Made from the coca leaf? Or it used to be? It's a, yeah. Okay, got it. Um, the um, and then normally when I end up playing games, I end up playing them at dinner time. So often it will be takeout. Um, generally nine times out of ten it will be pizza. Um. Or Chinese, one of the two. If it isn't, and I do need snacks, there is a specific type of, like beef jerky, uh, that is a South African delicacy called biltong, which is really nice. And then the variant of that, that is a sausage. Uh, called Duravosh. Um, it's really, really, <laughs> it's really nice. 
snacks for me, um, I either go, I, I'll never bring a big meal in. Yeah. I'll either have like a sandwich I ordered like before the session, or maybe I'll have like Cool Ranch Doritos or some chocolate. Those are sound wonderful. For me, I usually have a carbonated beverage associated with the yellow, I mean the color orange. That is, how do I describe it? It is, it is very well loved in India. And Mexico, I'm assuming. Fanta? They love it in India. Yeah. They love it in India, too. Uh, they love it in um, Mexico. And, uh, At least that's what Gabriel Gracias taught me. Oh, yeah, it's loved in Mexico, too. And he told me it's loved in India, too. Big same source. <laughs> <laughs> but for uh, snacking, like, fish just, like, nibbling on something here and there. I got a mixed I got mixed nuts with raisins and some chocolate, some dried fruits. If it's for a very long session, I usually get some Hawaiian food. Or yeah, I'll get Hawaiian or I'll get a pizza. You know, stereotypical pizza. And I was, this is super unrelated, but you saying Fanta reminded me, when I was a kid, I used to think it was pronounced Fantana. <laughs> and people would, like, say, it's not pronounced that, Invader, it's pronounced Fanta. And I'm like, no, it's pronounced Fanta! <laughs> Y'all are stupid, it's Fan Fantana! If, if it was Fantana, there'd be an extra A. Looks at it. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> my mom, my mom, my grandmother, and my grandfather never corrected me. That That's kind of funny. Well, on that note, everybody. Uh, no. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I would not want to sing a version of Santiana to that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, everybody, that's the end of this episode of Behind the Screen. I'd like to throw a quick shout-out to Invader and Cameron for joining us today. Thank you very much, guys. Wow. Uh, you're welcome. And, uh, hope you all stick around for the next episode. And the, th the third episode of, of uh, the Blight of Arrens should be up this Friday. Hope to see you all there. I hope you all enjoyed. Mm -hmm.